Welcome back to another episode of Being an Artist is fucking killing me. I'm Corinne. And I'm Rainy. Hi, Rainy. Hi. Do you think that people think that the intro, that little intro tag we do at the beginning is pre-recorded and we just pick the best one? Or do you think they know that every single time I do a little bit something different with it? Um, I think people know that you have artistic integrity and you take it fresh every single time and that you're making choices. <laughs> By making choices, yeah. You're really challenging yourself by making a different choice every single time? I do. I don't know if people notice. I make a very different choice every single time. (laughs) It is unique to the way I'm feeling that day and to the episode. (laughs) I think that's true. I think people know that, yeah. Yeah. You know what I would love? I've been listening to a lot of Dak Shepard on Armchair Expert lately. Yeah. And I would just like love a little jingle that we could put at the beginning and at the right. end, you know, because mm-hmm. they're just so short. And I like it. It's not like a whole like long, like some podcasts like have really long intro songs. And it's just like, no way, right. you know, like 30 seconds. I'm like, yeah, we just need 10 seconds of like fade in, fade out, you know? Right. I agree. So if you're a musician who's mm-hmm. out there, want to run a fun jingle that you think it- represents us in the pod. Yeah, it'll be 10 seconds. That'll it. We'll give you credit on everything. Yeah. We appreciate you. (laughs) Or if you know someone who might be into that, hit us up, please. Yeah. Rainy will do the vocals because as we've established. Absolutely not. I will not be singing. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't sang on this podcast yet this season. And my goal is to get to the end of the season without any intros of me singing. (sighs) I'm, I'm not. I'm looking for the bloopers. So it's because you, catch you me. For them. it's it's my it's when i'm feeling my most crazy that i start singing the intro i think it's true yeah it's when you're on like, like two hours run down sleep. yeah it's why it happened a lot when we were when i was doing schools because i would just be like oh, you know totally anyway this week i love this episode i loved chatting with him we have richard it's our second in-person interview of the season yes yeah if you want to see the video of recording Go to our Patreon, subscribe, donate a dollar, let us know what you think. Yes. Guys, we're five seasons in. We would love some support. <laughs> There's no really other way to say it, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm straight to facts over here. We'd love to stop breaking even. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you're interested in our Patreon or if you're interested in just supporting us just a little bit, if you're a longtime listener, if this is your first time, please go check us out on Patreon, Instagram, Facebook, any place you can find podcasts. This conversation is so lovely, and uh, let's get going. Here we go. Hi, my name is Richard Lamb. I'm an actor and a musician, and, and I'm based in Toronto. And yeah, I also do a lot of other stuff, like occasionally write things and um, do like social justice and labor justice things. Sorry, what were you guys talking about? Emails? Mm. Being useful on your days off. Yeah. <sighs> but like... No, that's what we were saying. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, like the guilt of unstructured time off. Mm-hmm. Do you let that eat away at you, and just actually like lean into it, or do you like get up and do stuff because the guilt? Um, I mean, like my, I feel like. Oh, I guess we can start recording. So. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I definitely let it eat away at me just because of like I have like voices in my head from when I was a kid yeah. saying stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I definitely like, I I find it really hard to relax Hmm. unless I'm like very hungover. Then I can definitely. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say like, do you do drugs? You should, you should, you should try. I I don't like, um, I was having this conversation the other day. I don't like marijuana. Like Mm. I don't like, I used to smoke when I was in university more for like cool factor not for like actual <laughs> you know it, and I it's it kind of lost its appeal to me I think when it became not that it lost its appeal I still did it but I had a really bad experience on a gummy last year mm. and it was like I was so anxious and so like I didn't know what I was saying and I felt very uncomfortable and ever since then I just have been like Every time I even take like a little bit of CBD, CBD is fine, but like CBD with a little bit of THC, it like affects mm. me. Interesting. Um, but I struggle with, with like weed and marijuana because it just doesn't like, it makes me very hyper aware and more anxious than it has like the opposite effect on me. So huh. that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Cause I know everyone else that like calms them down. I was just going to say, it's like what I, if I have a day off, I'm going to smoke weed all day and just like relax. Really? I only like stuff that's balanced, like a CBD-THC balance, Mm -hmm. because then it's also 
like the calming effects and like the anxiety reducing effects of CBD with a little bit of high. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when I say balanced, I mean like 7% and 7%. I don't mean like 20 and 20. You know? Right. Or like, cause I don't know I, when you go to like the Ontario cannabis store OCS website, you can like search by like how strong or everything is. I don't know. How do people smoke like 25% THC stuff? I think you just get really used to it. Like I have friends who smoke so often that they like they don't feel anything unless they hit a dose that would like knock me completely on my ass. Right. And make you throw up and like yeah, yeah. pass out. Or yeah. just like not be not be fun to be around. Like I'd just be like, huh? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like for like four hours. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I'm having a great time. Yes. I, I, don't, I don't want them around. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. I definitely like to be functioning. Yeah. You know what I've really gotten into actually? Um, CBD tea right before I go to sleep. That's what I do. It's so, so good. Yeah. Mm. I do like a CBD... I have a CBD that's like 20 and like a THC that's more like that's a mix like 20 CBD and a one point something THC. Yeah. And that's what I do right before. But like I can only do one drop. Mm. Yeah. I can't do more than that. And that's what it like kind of helps me. Mm-hmm. But it is like a good habit to get into because it's like the best way to relax before you go to sleep, I mm. think. But I also found like if I have CBD before I go to bed, I like do not get up in the middle of the night. Like yeah. I'm out all mm-hmm. night. Mm-hmm. Magnesium does that too. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's supposed to. Yeah. Which brings us to today's sponsor. Yeah. yeah. That tube of magnesium that they sell at shoppers. You know, with the clouds on it. <laughs> Do you want to read copy for us? <laughs> That's right. Can we hire you? <laughs> um, so before the pandemic, um, Richard, <laughs> you were working um, a lot with salt pepper. Uh, yeah, I had been at salt pepper for a number of years, although I hadn't been there. I had like basically kind of left okay. a year or two before the pandemic, oh, okay. which is its own very long story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's like in a kind of a public story now, I guess. So it's like, it's, it's fine to talk about, but yes, I was a theater actor. That was yeah. like my main thing um, that I spent my life, my adult life learning how to do. Right. And the pandemic kind of literally shut down our entire industry across the whole world. Yeah. Um, yeah, it shut down everything for performing arts people, mm-hmm. which is which is so crazy. Um, but you did a number of show shows with <clears throat> Soul Pepper. Yeah, I think I was in fifteen productions. I think I counted once. And like consistently, also, like, right? In four years, in a very short period of time. Yeah, so I was in their academy program, which is like a professional training program. So like out of theater school, I was like a year out of school and. I spent two years of my time at Soul Pepper, like in the academy. So right. we were like taking classes parts, like most of the time. Right. And then sometimes they'd put us into a show. Then we got a little bit of time to work on our own stuff, but like only a little bit. Um, and it was like a two year contract where we were there six days a week. And you're not being paid for it though? We were being paid for it. Oh, for the academy? Oh. Yeah, we got paid for it. Wow. That was my question. I was like, did you pay to be there? Did they pay <laughs> no. you to be there? Yeah. They paid us to be there. Um, it wasn't a lot of money, but it was just enough money to live yeah <laughs> so that was like can i ask how much yeah we made they said it was like 30 grand which is about what it was it was like 650 bucks a week right for 40 weeks a year guaranteed and we did like hiatus us for a couple weeks at a time a few times a year yeah yeah wow yeah so you started there and then you did more shows yeah so i was yeah. right it's just enough to live with three roommates yeah. yeah, it was yeah. it was it was a squeeze. Yeah. I won't lie, and the hours were punishing. Did they allow? Did the hours allow you to work other places? No, absolutely. There's no way you could have worked a different job. Wow, wow. you couldn't even like take another artistic project. Basically, if you did, really, it, so it, it was it was like uh, you couldn't ask like if you booked something through your agent, like a f- film was, and TV. So at the time, Soul Pepper's now under like totally different artistic direction. Okay, yes. but at the time, it was run by its original kind of like founding artistic director Albert Schultz and Albert was it was a really intensely like jealous culture there Mm. it was like it was like simultaneously like this huge superiority complex but also like a lot of insecurity that was like a little bit built into the um the way that the the administration of the place kind of operated, so like the, they w- they were not cool with you doing other stuff, and it was like technically allowed, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't there wasn't anything in your contract specifically prohibiting it, but yes. it was like very much not okay with them if you did it. Wow. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a little 
culty. Super culty. Right? Yeah. That's your. I hate the, using that word. No, you're but not the first people to use that word. <laughs> because it's it's was. cutting you off from anything else in your like yeah. life, right? Yeah. I have so much, like, people often ask me what the experience of being at the Soul Pepper Academy was like. At, at the time I was doing it, it was like a really, really intensely coveted, uh, like, spot. Right. Because how many people get into that academy? Uh, I think there were 16 of us. Yeah. Eight mm-hmm. actors, eight, like, two designers, two playwrights, two producers, yeah, yeah. like, other disciplines. Right. And I think in our year, like, 850 people auditioned for it or something like that. And the next year, or like the next cohort after us, it was like over 1,200 people auditioned for it. So wow. it was like, it was considered one of the like most, the things you would most want to do in the country. It was like a great opportunity. Especially right out of school. Yeah, right? for sure. Yeah. But then like, and it gave me a lot. Like it really made me a much better artist. It kind of set me up as a professional in Toronto, which, yeah. you know, that like hurdle of like moving to Toronto and then the industry like, people see you as someone who's inside the industry and not somebody who's outside the industry. That is kind of like the first leap you have to make. Yeah, those networking connections. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yes. I never had to do that. Like I walked in the door at Soul Pepper. I moved here to do that program. Mm-hmm. Wow. And the first time people met me, I was like two years at Soul Pepper. It was like... Yeah. You already have like that on yeah, your resume. Exactly. Yeah. And I learned a lot there and I got to work with some incredible people at the cost of like being fairly traumatized yeah. and, and for, for several several years in a way that was really not necessary for the like plays that we put on you know what right. I mean? like, it's so nuts when you say it out loud that yeah. it's like it was my life like i was like hundreds of hours um like you know dozens of hours a week spent at this place and then like we were doing plays like we were not like doing open heart surgery on people no but you're but you're toying with like your emotions as a person and like diving into each character and like losing yourself i would say is is also very hard yeah like it's like hard mentally on you you yeah i guess for me like what the reason i say that is that just that it's like the idea that you would have to like emotionally injure somebody in order oh, to course, like develop yeah. them as an artist is like ridiculous it yeah. doesn't make any sense it's also so it's so manipulative and old school yeah and, like such a different way of working yeah i i mean this is a, again i feel like we're, we're like opening a lot of like pandora's boxes yeah. here <laughs> like there's this one dude who was a former artistic director of the stratford festival um his name is robin phillips mm-hmm. and you could do like a Canadian theater trauma genealogy like stemming from that dude because that dude like was so fucked up and toxic and he like like abused the generation of Canadian theater actors who are like the generation that's kind of like old Gen Xers young boomers generation and then they all like branched out and became artistic directors many of them then became very toxic abusive people as well and they used a lot of his tactics and stuff but they would also like talk about how fucked up he was and how much he hurt them it was like it's really interesting psychologically how yeah. it spread well because abused people abuse people yeah yeah like yeah. there's a lot of intergenerational trauma in the theater community totally and like i feel like i'm just like scooping that poop like all the time <laughs> you know what i mean i'm just like i'm like oh no somebody yelled at you when you were 25 and now you're yelling at me like, <laughs> Yeah. 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 Oh. Yeah. I, I, I like wonder what happened, like where the connection was for like people our age and just a little bit older where we're mm-hmm. like, we're not putting up with this anymore. Like what finally clicked for people to be so introspective and self-aware that they're like, this is not how we need to work anymore. It's a really good question. Like, is it just like the march of human knowledge and progress? Or is it just like the internet? Like straight up, Call is it out. the internet? Yeah, yeah. it's like it's or like or just like being able to share your story and be like, oh, that happened to me too. Yeah, and it fucked me up in this way. Like it's the sharing and you can connect the knowledge. The, yeah, and and connecting the dots like as things are happening, yeah. as opposed to like months later when you're finally talking. Like you happen yeah. to meet somebody who shares your experience or like read something in a magazine or whatever. Yeah, it's like right. you can make a post and people can connect really quickly, which yeah. can be good and bad. Also, like, self-awareness, I think, as a generation, like, coming, I think, because we're in this weird spot where we, like, when we were growing up, we, like, either, like, we were right in the middle, right, between Mm. the spot of, like, developing our skills, but also, like, maybe starting to teach or maybe starting to, like, talk to people more. Right. So you kind of become, like, something comes out of your mouth and you're like, whoop. 
Right. You like have a self-awareness that you're like, I shouldn't have said that. Mm. Or you're able to like look at uh, an experience that happened and you're like, how does that relate to something that I've experienced or something that maybe I've said in the past? Right. You know, like a self-awareness in all of us to look at ourselves. Yeah. I wonder if that's like also because I think we're, we're all the same age here, right? Yeah, I'm like uh, 33. 33. Yeah. yeah, okay. I think we're also like the, one of the last generations to like grow up in an era where we didn't have internet as children, mm-hmm. right? And so we had that both, that that experience and then like seeing how the world changed with that like vast amount of ability to learn and see things and access to not information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe, I don't know. It's also just like, hopefully it is just generations of just like becoming, humans are becoming better. Right. I would love to think that. I think at least we know more. Yeah. Yes. But I do think that there's always like growing pains. And also like things happen unevenly, right? There's like pockets of attempts to change culture and change the way that things operate. And then there's like pockets of resistance and like the overall mass of things. You know, it's like, I mean, Martin Luther King Jr. said it better than me. Like the 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 march of the march of progress is long, but it bends towards justice. Mm. I think that's like a that's like a, a real a real idea. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense, Martin. Yeah. Out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, and so how did you? How did? When did you realize that this was happening? Did you realize while you were in the academy, or did you realize after a couple of years leaving it, or did you have an experience that was like, whoa? Yeah. Basically. I was very, very unhappy and occasionally quite unwell, as were like a number of people who I was in the academy with. It was really uh, tough to watch everyone or so many people being so ground down and unwell, even as they were doing great work and getting celebrated for it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The high highs, but like also the lowest yeah, Very lows. much so. Yeah. Wow. Um, and uh, yeah, for me, it was several years in. I mean, like... I was in it for a while. I was graduated from the academy and just working in the company. Mm-hmm. And like it's like there was always so much grumbling and bitching behind the scenes among the artists, senior artists all the way down to younger people mm-hmm. about how tough things were. But there was like also like a lot of complicity and a lot of a culture of well, we have this great opportunity also. And like Mm -hmm. the cost of us having this great opportunity is like enduring some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. For a lot of people too, I think this, again, I'm meandering. I could just (laughs) answer your question, but I think this is important to say too, like for a lot of the people who were there, because Pepper had existed for about 15 years by the time I got there ish, Mm -hmm. a little less. um, There was like that like frog in a boiling pot thing where like, I don't think it was bad when they started. Right. And I think that the bigger the company got, the more pressure that was on the artistic leadership and the more pressure they put on themselves and the more they started to think of themselves as the most awesome people in the world, um, the harder it got and the worse their behavior became. But it happened so slowly over time that and people got used to making excuses for them and Mm. dealing with them that by the time I kind of joined they were making excuses and dealing with stuff that was like really, really in- starting to become quite intense and mm-hmm. got significantly worse even in the four years that I was there. Like it was like exponentially increasing. Mm. Um, and so a lot of people, yeah, everyone kind of like was complaining a lot and we all knew that it was hard. Um, but the kind of straw that broke my back was we were in rehearsal one day and I just kind of like witnessed a really, really wonderful friend of mine just get fully harassed uh, and touched inappropriately in front of a room full of like 50 people, including mm-hmm. myself, n- and nobody did anything. And we were all just kind of like paralyzed. And we afterwards, we all checked in with her and we talked to her and blah, blah, blah. Like it was a scene, there was a scene happening. There's this really, yeah, so there's this really problematic pattern that used to happen where like, um, this director would like start a rehearsal. He'd like start everyone going and then he'd like kind of walk through the rehearsal and like kind of like talk to, as the scene was still happening, he'd like walk through and like talk to artists and give direction. And yeah. I think a lot of like really 
dark shit sometimes happened in those situations. That, right. Because yeah. people were busy or like doing stuff. Yeah, they were concentrated know. on their own shit. And yeah. in this case, the way that the scene was blocked, and this was in a tech rehearsal, so we were in the theater with the full crew there on the stage. Yeah. Right. The way that the scene was blocked was like this artist was singing and and the rest of us were like frozen. Um, so we were literally like not supposed to move in the day. But he like kind of yeah put himself on the stage and was like touching her and stuff. And like it was like it was weird. It, it gave me the no feeling. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know what to do at the time. And I mean, paralyzed in shock is such an excellent right. way to put it. It is, but um, so this was like a very formative experience for me, like not to take this, you know, horrible thing that happened to this woman and just frame it about my experience, but that is what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was where I was like, this isn't okay. And I actually don't like that I've gotten to a point where I will sit and watch this happen. Mm. And because I was like, that was my line and I totally did nothing. I don't like who this has made me become. Mm-hmm. I don't really like what's happening here. And uh, and so for me, I, that was kind of the start of me doing a lot of thinking about like how I would like to act in those situations mm-hmm. and what I did think like my worth and value was and what the rest of the artist's worth and value was. Mm-hmm. And so then the next major thing that happened, which was really a dispute over pay, um, I didn't fall in line. Yeah. I like, and I tried to kind of like rally people and organize around us, like pushing back like, a bit. Mutiny! And, this was, so like, and, like, and, like, and like, I wasn't, just to give some context here, what they were going to, we, we did the tour to New York. That's the last real thing that I did for Soul Pepper at the mm-hmm. time. And they wanted us to go, they wanted to fly us down there and do a promo concert at 54 Below, which is like this um, major cabaret venue for Broadway performers. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like 48 hours in New York doing this concert at this very prestigious venue. Right. And they wanted to pay us $170. For the whole 48 hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I was like, and, and, and I was kind of like, You're like that's, a, that's literally like what, $3 an hour? And they put us up. Yeah, well, that's basically right. Yeah. And they yeah. put, they'd put us up you know, and give us the, a per diem or whatever, like the, the stuff they'd like have to do. Yeah, right. But I was like, I was like, this this just seems like we're all being pissed on a bit. <laughs> like, you know, we're it's like such a tough situation and it just seems like such a low amount. And at the time I talked to my agent and they were like, yeah, it's like a laughably and insanely low amount for what they're asking you to do. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I, yeah, so I pushed back against that. And then in the end I said no to it. I didn't say anything other than screw you guys, but I did say like, I can't, I can't, I, I don't want to take the trip to do the promo concert. I'm still doing the tour. I had my contract and everything. I've yeah. been all these shows and I've been there for four years and they never asked me to do anything there again. Wow. Which I knew would happen. Wait, so you know, like even the rest of your contract wasn't completed or? No, I finished all the contracts okay. I had signed at that moment, but yeah. I was never invited to do anything by that artistic leadership ever again. Wow. Uh, which I, and I knew what I was doing. Right. Okay. I you knew, knew that you were, that you were drawing it. a line in the sand, and you're like, "This is the end." I was like, "If I don't start practicing standing up for myself now, I don't want to know what the next thing that I stay silent on is." Wow. I just don't like that at all. Yeah. And I and you know, uh, some shade intended to other artists. Um, <laughs> like I had seen how uh, bad it looked when you had been there for like ten. 15 years, the, yeah. the things you would, the knots you would tie yourself in to like be okay with what was going on there. And I was like, right. I don't want that to be me. Yeah. And respect to the work that they do and the moments of kindness that some of them showed. But like, there was some ugly stuff there that I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm pulling the ripcord on this. Yeah. Yeah. And there was like a bit of a scandal with Soul Pepper, right? In the past few years. Where the artistic director was there when you were there. Same one. Yeah. It was yeah. the same one. This was like about five or six months after I left. Wow. Um, and at the time, I'm very grateful to um, Hannah and Diana and Patricia and Kristen, who are the four women who like brought that lawsuit forward. They yeah. were from like generations kind of before me at Soul Pepper. Mm-hmm. Only one or two of them I had ever even seen around. Mm-hmm. Um, it is my understanding that part of what motivated them to bring that forward was they knew, had heard about what was happening with us. Wow. And they felt a sense of responsibility to what, like the generations that were kind of coming after them to like take the hit kind of for the rest right. of us. Uh, I feel very grateful to them for that. Awesome. Um, yeah, it like the things that were in their complaint were like inexcusable and super unprofessional and very bad. The things that happened to my generation were 
uh, much darker. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and it's not something I can talk about because it's not my story. No, of course. Totally. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, if people want it's to also know. kind of a matter of the public record a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, yeah, I don't know. At the time, I, because I had left earlier, I had already kind of done my moment of crisis about this kind of thing mm -hmm. like six months earlier. Yeah. I was one of the people who kind of like went in public and went on the record about the stuff that I had experienced there. Mm -hmm. um, in a way, like I'm glad I was ready for that. I know that for most artists in the company, they that was their, oh no, I have to confront everything moment. And a lot of them just weren't ready to talk. And I respect that because it's a lot to process. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't ask anyone to like be public about their thoughts about something like that if they don't know what they are moment to moment. Yeah, so of course. Yeah, people heal and I mean sometimes it takes a lot of people deal with trauma in such interesting ways. Like mm -hmm. people like block trauma out. Yeah. Right? Totally. Like yeah. they don't even know they, they don't can even just walk away from that situation and never think about it. Or mm -hmm. they never it, talk about it. Their memory like erases it. That's like a full thing that happens yeah. to people is that they like don't realize that they've experienced trauma sometimes because their memory will just get rid of the situation. Yeah, totally. And like it, this is one of the things that like I always now like having had this experience Anytime somebody gets like canceled or something, I can't help but think like it's impossible to give a like real response about any of this stuff if you're being surprised by it. Like mm -hmm. no matter where, what end of whatever you're on, like it's so much to deal with and like all your like chemicals are firing. Yeah. You're in like a fight or flight response. Yeah. You're not going to be your most rational self. Yeah. But it's when like the microscope is so on you mm -hmm. to every single tiny thing you say is going to be kind of like dissected. It's it's really intense. Yeah. 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 And uh, yeah, silence show, feels like you're not addressing it. And then saying something, we're not saying the right thing, which is like you said, it's going to be dissected. feels mm -hmm. like it's just like asking for shit to hit the fan. It's, mm -hmm. it's hard to know what to do, I think. Yeah. But it's also in, like situations like that. Sometimes you can never say the right thing. No. Right, mm -hmm. like no one is, and not everyone is going to be happy with how you answer any sort of public yeah. facing situation. Yeah. Right, mm -hmm. it's always going to be pulled apart and dissected and criticized in some way or shape or form. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How did um, I mean you were with an agent at the time, but mm -hmm. how did leaving Soul Pepper and like having that experience did it have did it affect your career at all? leaving them and like saying like, no, I'm not doing this for $170. Yeah, like, it for sure it did. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I was kind of like out on the, on the proverbial street or like back in the grind for the right. first time in a long you, time. Like you said, you hadn't, you literally came here and became a member. Of, yeah. yeah. And I had been graduated from theater school for like five years. Yeah. I spent a year working a lot in Alberta doing, which is where I went to school, um, doing like school tours and, you know, like kind of like the stuff you do when you're starting out. Yeah. But I got a lot of work and I was really lucky. Mm -hmm. Then I did four years at Soul Pepper. And so this was the first like, I don't know what I'm doing mm -hmm. moment for me really in my artistic career. Mm -hmm. um, that being said too, at Soul Pepper, I had felt a little bit like pigeonholed because yeah. I, uh, I play music, right? So I was like playing a lot of music yeah. in shows at Soul Pepper. Um, but I wasn't getting to like flex my muscles as an actor that much. And that was really what I wanted to be doing and why I had showed up there. But they kind of didn't like my acting or like they didn't think I had the goods for it. Um, and it, it was like, and then they, I was like, aren't you in, aren't I in a program where you're supposed to train me? And they were like, uh, no, instead of that, we're going to just like not give you those opportunities. This is my <laughs> biggest pet peeve yes. with arts academies. 100%. Typecasting? Typecasting and like, why am I here? If you're not going to give me the education that you said I was, yeah. or if you're just going to think I'm shitty and give me bogus parts the whole time. Yeah. Like, it, why am I here? Yeah, I thought that's what they were going to do. It was like, okay, so, like, you still have this to learn, but we're going to, like, give you escalating opportunities to, like, learn that thing. But instead yeah. it was, like, a stressful two-year audition uh, <laughs> <laughs> that never oh ended. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> that is purgatory. Yeah, it was, it was rough. That's part of why it was so difficult. Yeah, like, it was really. It did have that energy in a big way. And and you know, I don't want to just throw under the bus like the people who were genuinely trying to make an educational experience who were there. They were just in combat with the the administration of the company at the time. Who, yeah. like, they had like dueling perspectives on what it should be. Uh, yeah. Oh, a two-year audition sounds <laughs> yeah. so, like a nightmare. Yeah, so then I was out on my ass, like, not really knowing what to do. Yeah. And I don't, I kind of hid for, like, a, a, a few months. Yeah. I was 
at home a lot. I was working as a bike courier, like doing Fudora, rest in peace, Fudora. <laughs> um, and like just not, I didn't go to plays. I didn't do anything for like mm. three months or so. And then the first thing I did was, um, it's very funny actually, uh, my friends who have a company called Bad Hats Theater, and we've had Fiona on this yeah. show. Yeah, so lovely. So Fiona wrote me and was like, hey, we're doing this adaptation of Peter Pan that we've created. Like, we're auditioning for a new part. Like, do you want to audition for it? And I was like, yes. And I got that part. And it was at Soul Pepper, but it was Bad Hats performing at Soul Pepper. It's like the first gig I did. I was Watch back at Soul Pepper. Yeah, waltzed back in there. But compared to being at Soul Pepper for so long, which was like, me being in this like huge institution that had been set up, you know, by all these older artists. Yeah. Um, suddenly, I, being at Bad Hats, it's like I was the oldest one in the show, and at the mm -hmm. time, I was twenty-seven. Mm -hmm. um, and so, like, it was like all my friends, basically, we were all like peers. It was the goofiest process too. Like, we had a director um, who I really like, but the, but the way that Bad Hats style kind of is, is it's like very much like everyone is in charge of everything yeah, yeah, yeah. at once. And so it's like a lot of like kindergartners all playing a game at the same time is kind of what it feels like when we're putting a show on. Yeah. Um, and so like, it was just like the best, most like cleansing experience. We had so much fun. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and, that, and then after that, it was kind of just about proving to myself that I could do the thing and be on this, be auditioning and hustling mm. and like actually booking parts. And it was like a bit slow. Like it took me another few months before I booked my first show after that. Mm -hmm. But then things started to like pick up a bit and I started to book a lot more stuff and start to feel like I was booking a lot more stuff just based on my work as an actor as opposed to like m my musical. Right you know, value add, <laughs> which yeah. definitely was the vibe yeah, or like yeah. a fear of mine, you know? Yeah. Right. yeah. You're only casting me because I can do multiple things. Yeah. And you're going to use one of them. Yeah, exactly. Not the one that I want though. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When you were at Soul Pepper, did you still have to audition for roles or were they just kind of giving, giving roles out? It depended on which flavor of nightmare we were receiving that particular day. <laughs> like, um, so like sometimes, like sometimes they just like cast the season and told yeah. us what they were doing. Um, sometimes we did sort of audition for them and the very worst time, uh, they put us all in a show with like, uh, tons of other people. It was a huge cast. It was like maybe 20 or 25 people on the cast, but mm. there were eight of us in the show. And then there were like three or four or like two big roles that were going to be Academy people and like a bunch of little roles. Mm. And they as cast all of us. I don't know if you know right. what that is. So that's a term that you get, I think they're phasing it out now, but it used to be a thing on your contract where um, it's like in a, in, it's like if you're doing like Christmas Carol, you know, where there's like 10 trillion parts or something. Um, it's like you'll play, you get cast and you play one the main part, mm -hmm. but then you also as cast, which means like they'll give out the like little filler roles that are like one line in this scene and one line oh. in this scene. So it's like on your contract when you're as cast, it means that they have the right to like give out random stuff to you. Yeah. Okay. Um, but the way they used it on this one was they gave all of us an as cast contract didn't give us any parts and then rotated us through in the actual rehearsals for the play with oh. all the other actors, trying different ones of us out in the rehearsals for the show. Did like, you know going into the rehearsals what you were going to be? Like, kind of, no. But because this was our first show in the Academy. So we'd only been there for like four or five months at this point. Right. So we were all kind of like, you know, zombies who had been working 12 hour days. Yeah, just like bright months, eyes. Like yeah. Completely. At that point, we were so burned out and exhausted yeah. already just from the training schedule that I don't think any of us clocked how brutal it was going to be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they literally rotated us through on different days having, for the first week of rehearsal, all of us trying out the parts. And then they announced like the casting like the second week. That is a week long <laughs> audition from hell. It was horrible. <laughs> It was actually monstrous, and I think they're now phasing out ASCAST because it has like a lot of problematic ways it was getting used as a as a concept. Yeah, of course. Um, but like, yeah, that was probably like one of the worst ASCASTs that's ever been done. But we were wow. all like literally new here, so we didn't know how bad it was. Yeah. yeah. Did you? Because it doesn't sound like you guys were doing a ton of auditioning there then, because you were getting like ASCAST. Yeah, it was more. I would audition for stuff when other directors were directing it right but if it. it was just albert or like 
one of the other people who had been teaching us a lot. Usually they would just cast us. Right. So when you started, I mean, like auditioning more outside, how did you, how did you deal with that? I mean, like auditioning is so stressful. Yeah. I mean, like, did I deal with it? Question mark is a really <laughs> good question. Have I dealt with it? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Um, I just like started doing it mm. probably at best, like very mediocrely uh, and slowly got sort of better at it I hope like I don't know it's still kind of a mysterious process to me yeah I mean like how do you I mean I never want to know how I mean there's such a weird question where people are like how do you prepare for an audition that's not what I want to know I want to know like how people like mentally and physically prepare themselves not to do the lines but to like enter a room full Mm -hmm. of people who are there to judge them yeah and like because you have there's this like energy like you want to be you want to leave early so that you get there on time, but you can't be too early because then you look crazy. And yeah. then there's like, how do you uh, be interesting, but not kooky? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, be energetic, but not psychotic. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like be charming, but don't flirt with anybody. Like there's like this weird, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like there's this weird energy. Like you're just, you're just like sitting there and you're just like, Ooh, uh, like, like you're going through all these like crazy emotions to like settle your mind is so when people are like sitting there, how do you, how do you settle yourself? It's like, uh, I think what's made me better at auditioning, if anything has like, is just like being better at life in general, like the act of existing, like, you know, as you get older, yeah. it's just easier to be authentic and, and know what you want out of a situation and you have like less to prove. Right. Like yeah. I, you know, I, I am like a cis man, but when I turned 30, I was like, I felt like a weight lift. You know what I mean? I was like, I'm 30 now. I felt like the fuck go away. Like I don't give a shit anymore. Um, it, it really did feel like not being in my 20s, I suddenly had less to prove, right. I guess, like in a way. And so walking in the door of an audition now, it's it's like, as myself, I feel like it's much easier to be me. Like mm-hmm. I'm like, I kind of, know that much more about who I am and what I like to do and mm-hmm. how I like to talk to people and relate right. to people. So I just try to do that. And then um, I also have like a better idea of like what I think good work is. Right. And so I know if I'm, if I've gotten to a point where I like can do good work mm-hmm. on, on the audition, whatever it is, mm-hmm. that's like on me to prep that and walk in the door and feel like I'm going to show you what I got mm-hmm. to offer this part. Um, and if you like it, that's awesome. And if mm-hmm. you don't like it, then that's also fine because mm-hmm. then we probably would have a real bad time doing this. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And again, like that comes from like the privilege of having like opportunity and like a, you know, a bit of a reputation already and like connections mm-hmm. already and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like I don't feel like I'm trying to prove I can do this mm-hmm. anymore. I, I do feel like I'm trying to prove that I, I want like more exciting opportunities, more rounded, more nuanced, more interesting opportunities but I don't feel like, I remember, I remember really worrying, like, will I be able to do this job? Mm-hmm. Like, can, will I be an actor? It's not really my question anymore. There's mm-hmm. other, more interesting, just as stressful questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's, I mean, there's part of this job that like, it really weeds out like the weak from the herd, right? <laughs> yeah. Like auditioning is what is it does. No. Just the funniest voice note you sent me the other day. <laughs> yeah, sir. <laughs> We're prepping questions for this, and I was like trying to remember what that was, and I was like, "How do you mean? Like, how do you say like kill the weak, <laughs> like, <laughs> not, but not cunty? <laughs> like, like, call, call the herd." Yeah, Smile. yeah. Um, but I feel like auditioning is one of those things. I mean, there's so many things to this, like, profession, the performing arts that, like, will literally just, some people can, anything, people could be like, I'm fucking done with this shit. I get mm-hmm. it. Um, but auditioning is one that I think kills people. Because yeah. it, like, yeah. it kills your spark. It's being judged. The like, constant rejection. Going into a, an, a, an audition and being like, oh, I got this one. And, like, leaving and just being like, no, I didn't get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? And And I... The thing that really drives me nut, like nuts is like, and I'm I'm sure this might be the same for for y'all. Is like the disproportionate uh, relationship between like how much I care about an audition and how much I work on it, and if I get it or not. Like I don't know if that's a thing for you all, but like 
almost always the things I care the most about and work the hardest on, I don't get. Mm -hmm. And then the things that I think are like so stupid, <laughs> yeah. I like barely, I just like whip out. I book those. Yeah. And I'm like, what? I'm like, kind of like, what's wrong with me? Or rather like, you know, like, like, how do I harness this power for good? <laughs> you, yeah. know, you know, like, how do I? Yeah. But also like, where's the middle ground? Yeah. Right. Like you can't kill yourself for every audition. Right. You can't put in like 30 hours of work mm -hmm. for a no. single audition. Like, Especially if you're, if you're if you're doing one self tape or like three self tapes a week. Like yeah. it's just like right. unsustainable. Yeah. I do. T like there is a. Okay, this is comes like I was watching RuPaul once. Or like maybe it was like a behind the scenes like, <laughs> interview about RuPaul with this uh, with this queen named Ben de la Creme. Yes, yeah. And and someone was like, "What's something that people don't know from watching RuPaul's Drag Race about it?" And and Bendela was like, "It's a race. Like you have to work fast. Mm -hmm. Like yes. it's it's hard." And and the that's one of filmed in like thirty days. Yeah, yeah. they're doing it yeah. like every single fucking day. Yeah, exactly. And and that's one of the things about auditioning that I don't think I ever got told in theater school, and that I had mm -hmm. to figure out. Where it's like the thing about auditioning is it's it's not just about like doing a good audition. Like the skill of auditioning is about being able to cover the first you know ten steps out of the sprint mm -hmm. uh, as fast as possible. And if you're sharp and like it kind of like more experienced or like you, you have acquired this knowledge like you can look at your scene and like rip through the basics really mm. really quickly and then get to the point where you're actually making the interesting decisions that are going to put your stamp on it mm -hmm. like way faster right. and it's the same with like just in the self-tape era like setting up your self-tapes well, like, yeah. like getting the stuff that where you can get it up and down in like two minutes yeah. and not stress about it will change, that changed my auditioning so yeah. much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because otherwise yeah. you're like fuddling around you, oh. fucking paper and you're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you waste so much time stressing about like balancing your phone on like a lamp yes. on a book. And, and that's like the like, worst. Just buy a fucking tripod. Yeah, like, yeah. Why am I like not spending the $20 getting a fucking tripod? But it feels like you're like, ah, oh, is this something I really need to spend money on? Like, yeah, yeah. Yes, it is. Oh, it is. It totally is. Yeah. It totally. And yeah. like even like a, like a light, like a ring light, it just like changed. It changes everything. Yeah. 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 Yeah, even like just buy a bunch of small ones. You can get them at like Home Depot for like ten dollars. Yeah, and even like look now it's getting really nerdy. But like because I've been using my ring light and tripod combo for a while, I actually know where like different eye lines are on it. Yeah, you know what That's I mean. Right. So like I know that like if I look here and here, like I just know what. Do you they set post-it notes up for characters? I sometimes do, depending yeah. on how complicated things are. If it's yeah, just yeah. one character, I like have a thing on my. My my ring light has like bendy arms, right? <laughs> uh, so I can like bend the arms to give yeah, me yeah. one. And I sometimes do post-it notes. And occasionally, if I'm really feeling like an overachiever, I'll like print photos of my friends or something and put them up. Oh stuff like wow! That. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on what I'm. Doing. It really depends on if they care about that, eh? Because sometimes they just want you to read straight to the camera, and you're like, that's fine. But then you're like, oh, am I supposed to be like, I don't know? I don't know. For me, it's always like another thing that that helped me with. Uh, with auditioning for especially for camera stuff but I guess for theater on self-tape too is like it came from this coach I was working with named Catherine McNally and it was kind of like she's like your job is like to create the entire scene mm. uh, but only from them looking at you mm. which seems obvious but the more you think about it, the more you're like oh there's like a lot of interesting opportunities there because mm. it's like if I'm just looking at you like how do I know like where you are mm -hmm. and what your relationship right. to all the different people you look at is and so like those details I actually have started to like enjoy self-tape auditions a little bit because I feel like I get to be creative mm -hmm. and, right. and and it's like an interesting creative activity to try to like do that analysis, be like, okay, where am I? What, what do I feel about these people? What's like the energy between us all? Mm -hmm. And then like, can I actually prep myself to a point where I can record the self-tape in like four takes, five takes, and do like hit those actual things. Right. As opposed to doing like 150 and stressing out about it and hating myself more with every passing moment, which to be fair, I still do sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you need like an impartial eye, right? To just be like, that's yeah. the one. Because yeah. have you ever gone to a studio that has helped you record it? I have. I haven't since I started doing self-tape stuff like a lot more frequently. I did it back when I really didn't know anything, which right. I valued a lot. 
it depends on the audition, but like one of my girlfriends was auditioning for this thing where she had to be, there was very little dialogue and I was trying to help her prepare for it. And she was having to watch, it was like some racing or watching someone do like a, mm -hmm. like a consistent, like kind of like track or some sort of, you know, activity. So and it was like, go, nope, start again, go. And it was like all this stuff had to be happening. Mm -hmm. And she, for that audition, because there was such little dialogue and it was really, like you said, about like setting, she had to see everything and like yeah. hear everything. She went and got it done and she said it was like, she booked it because it was awesome because the person literally stood there and would like have like a mm -hmm. thing and be like, when she said go, she would like run the feather mm -hmm. across like the back of the thing. Mm -hmm. oh, and wow. then she would like click it back. And until yeah, it was yeah. like, she actually had something. So in, in situations like, I think in that script specifically, which is very rare that you would get sides like that yeah it works really well yeah totally to to do that but i think it's usually pretty doable to do by yourself if you have the right equipment you know? yeah yeah I, I think that my setup is good enough that it's not going to be like a huge bump in like the yeah. quality to to a studio yeah and like also now I have like a little community of friends where we like self-tape reciprocity with each other and mm -hmm. I really like them all and they're all really good and 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 so like I feel like I'd rather work with one of them as my reader because we all like are pretty good with noting each other mm. like we've developed a a safe zone of, of totally. how to you work have with to each have other. the right group though yeah. and it's like you yeah. have to be really protective of no, it I know. my group is like no no you yeah. can't be in the group yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, so it's like very yeah I, I really enjoy that I kind of like to like you know, with musicians, we play together all the time, mm -hmm. casually. But with actors, it's, like, much harder slash way dorkier to, like, act together. <laughs> like, so hang out and act together. Like, yeah. like, the thought of doing that makes my skeleton want to, like, explode out of my skin and run away. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, somebody oh, walking in on that yeah. seems like, <laughs> yeah. like, you're so all embarrassed. I think of, like, first year musical theater students when you said that i know it's like it's like but this is kind of like the equivalent of that in a way it's like a little more like professional and mercenary yeah. right but it's like i actually like being able to like watch my friends work and like jam with them a little bit totally. about like mm -hmm. oh on this beat in the in the in the thing what if you like kind of like play this moment here and this moment here? you know like that's actually kind of fun um and i do like doing it for for my buds mm -hmm. yeah. but that's like actual work right like if you were Workshopping, yeah. Or you were working on a play. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff you would do together. Yeah, totally, right? totally, yeah. totally. And that's like also refining your skills as an actor and as a director, or like anything in that kind of situation. Yeah. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it just makes me think of like so. The Factory Theater released this thing that was like a pandemic project where they got four playwrights to write short plays that could be performed by four people, and then they made this little like box where uh, they, they came with like four copies of each play and they were designed to be like read around a kitchen table or something like socially. Mm -hmm. And I had some friends hanging out at my place the day that it came and, like, and Fiona was one of them. And so I was like, I like came up and like everyone, like a couple of people were hanging out. I was like, do you guys want to like read one of these plays? And they were like, what the fuck is wrong with you? They're all like, get out of here. Like, how dare you say that to us? Yeah. It's like, okay, okay. Is note, that too nerdy? Note, note taken. Yeah. <laughs> Have you had to do one of the um the live zoom editions yet i have done a few yeah it's so uncomfortable when they like bring you in and then they're like gotta go the very worst one that i did i was like it was me and my girlfriend had like a a couple uh commercial audition that was like live on zoom it was a callback actually i think oh, wow. wow and i we were doing it at her place because she has like a better background than me and i was kind of running a tiny bit late Still going to make it on time, but, like, not with, like, a lot of setup time. Yeah. And my Bluetooth headphones turned on in my backpack and paired to my phone, and I didn't know. So we set it all up for the Zoom, and they were, like, talking, and I couldn't hear anything. Oh, no. And I was, like, and, I, and we were, like, oh, I'm sorry, we can't hear you. We can't, like, I'm sorry. And they were, like, I could see how mad they were at us. And I was, like. Oh, they had their cameras on? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. And I was, like, Ooh. and I was, like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And we ended up just, like, leaning in really, because we could barely hear something. And I couldn't tell <gasps> what it was at first. And so we just did the whole audition with them, like, tiny, tiny sound coming out of them. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> It was like, like, I know, it's like one of, it was, I'd want to die when I think about it. <laughs> You're like, I just want the whole world to just close yeah, up. Over I was, and then, I, and then when we, were, we were packing things up, I figured it out. And I was like, 
I am buying dinner tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I am the moron. Oh, yeah. no. It's, I mean, I'm surprised that they had their cameras on. I feel like everything that I've done, it's like everyone's camera's off. And you just Ooh, like, wow. just a name. And they're like, okay, start. And you're like, oh, Jesus. And then the worst. reader just like pops in. At least like oh. somebody's always had a camera on. The Usually reader sometimes, I guess. But, yeah. but like the, I feel like all the casting people are like, will be off. Usually at least one of them will like introduce everything. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, really? Oof. Okay, I haven't had that yet, but thank you for the warning. Next yeah, time. Just when that aware. happens to me, I'll be Because you're like, what happens is you're just like. <laughs> Do you want me to start? Because yeah. <laughs> you're what? looking for eyes, right? Like, Wait, you know what? The wor- I hate the waiting room. Like, yes, how the is waiting room sex? is the worst because you're just like sitting there waiting yeah. for the- to get brought into something. And how is the Zoom rate waiting room just as horrible as the physical waiting room? But it is. Like, there's always one <laughs> yes, person. It's so like, There's one fucking dude who's left his mic on and he's like making weird noises, like just like in yeah. the normal waiting rooms. Like, like, we've been on Zoom for two space. years. Like, get it together yeah, here. <laughs> yeah. And like, and yeah, you're just sitting there in your own home, like, uncomfortably waiting and you don't want to be on your phone because you don't want to get brought in and be like on your phone so you're just literally all of the anxiety that you've had for the past like whatever how long you've been prepping it and like all of the lines are going in and out of your brain a hundred times that's what i say like how do you be like with in that energy which is like a very crazy situation to be in Mm -hmm. how do you be like charming but like not like this or like not kooky because you're in such an awkward position totally yeah, and and like I get too that casting has like a really really hard job in the current era, and that it must be so frustrating for them for like technical stuff to be ruining people's auditions all the right. time. Right. Yeah. But yeah. At the same time, like some of the paragraphs you get from casting about how to like do your Zoom audition are the scariest things mm-hmm. I've ever read in my life. The slate. Yeah. Or and it's like some of them are like like do not use Wi-Fi. Like you have, like use a wired internet connection. If you're who thing- has a wired internet connection, yeah. no one. I actually do have a wired internet connection <laughs> no, because sorry, <laughs> I, so I, I, I got one because I was like teaching a lot on Zoom and I just didn't want to deal with it and whatever. I just bought the wire and plugged it into my thing or whatever. But yeah, yeah. I'm the dork who with the wired internet. Connection. <laughs> but like some of them are really intense, like yeah. the things that they want you to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah with, with like my group of like actors that I talked to there, there was, I remember there was like an hour long conversation about how to like introduce yourself. Like they're like, what do you guys do? Do you like do something like weird? Are you like, hi, I'm blah, blah, blah. Or are you just like, uh, this is blah, 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 blah. Like how yeah. do you like do the introduction for yourself or like do the, like, sometimes they ask for like full body stuff and yeah. you're like, like, yeah, how do you walk? Like you don't want to model, but like you're trying to be all weird. strut, but yeah. Yeah. It's awkward. Oh my God. I teach. So I have students. Like I teach at Sharon college yeah. uh, acting. Um, and we do like one-on-one tutorials where I like work with them. And so one of them brought in like, like her first on, like we all on camera audition. And I was like, so I was like, okay, well let's spend the time just like talking about the stuff. And we got to the slate and I was like, yeah. So <laughs> I was like, what did you- and I was supposed to be like the teacher. And I was like, so these things are like, you want to be yourself. But also, you got to kind of ride the line where it's like you're still in like a job interview. Mm-hmm. And I was like, honestly, sometimes being real quirky might actually get you the part. And sometimes it won't get you the part. And you just got to use your inst. I was like the worst teacher in the world. <laughs> yeah, like, but like Audrey Plaza, who <laughs> had like the weirdest, yeah. like the weirdest um, audition for Parks and Rec in the world and is the strangest person. Yes. Booked Parks and Rec because she was fucking weird and made everybody uncomfortable. Yeah. But like... That's a, such a rare occurrence. Like right. if you, if that person, like I'm sure there's a thousand, not to, you know, Audrey Plaza is lovely, but like I'm sure there's like a hundred people who are kind of like Audrey Plaza that go in and don't book anything because they make yeah. people uncomfortable, you know? Totally. Yes. I think that authenticity is like that word. It's like such a buzzword and I don't love it, but what like that yeah. feeling when you're actually in yourself and you're, you're really letting yourself out. Like I feel like you, we as humans can like right. sense that. Yeah, when I'm like, yeah. oh, that's actually that person. And you can also sense when it's being fake. Yes. Yeah. And it's, right. it's horrible it when is. it's being fake. You're like, you don't trust them immediately. You're like, take a step back. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, totally. And so, like, I think there's, like, I know some real quirky people who book a lot of stuff. And I know for a fact that I'm sure that they just, like, let it rip. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, I'm like, and I'm like, good for you. I, I'm yeah. not really like that yeah and so i it doesn't work for me i don't think to be like that but the few times when i've been in an audition and i've gotten like a super audacious impulse 
and followed it authentically, it has usually worked out for me. Like I've booked stuff like that, but Mm -hmm. that doesn't happen to me all the time. I wish it did. Because it's either like it works (laughs) and everybody laughs or like everyone gets the reaction you want or as soon as the camera goes off, you're like, why did I fucking do that? And then you change the spiral. I think there's a lot of value in just like audacity sometimes yeah. mm-hmm. and like yeah. it's undervalued a little bit again though like not in a creepy way right like it's like you like like you kind of said earlier like you gotta be you gotta be unafraid to make like a, a big offer like take a risk right again like a cliche a cliche thing to say but like audacity uh, really sets people apart sometimes and sometimes like the parts go to the opportunities go to the people who are just the most audacious yeah yeah as opposed to it's not a skill contest and it's not a meritocracy. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Once we'd live in a different world. <laughs> we would. We'd live in a very different world. Um, I kind of want to go back to Soul Pepper for a second. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I want to know if you've heard, now that it's under a new artistic direction, mm-hmm. if you've heard different things come out of the company for people working in it. Yeah, I mean, like, as far as I know, I mean, any company now has challenges. Yes. It is a challenging time for companies. So I've heard that like like many theater companies, they're like dealing with the things they're dealing with in terms of the questions of the new world. Yeah. But I've never heard any talk of things being like toxic or abusive yeah. there since it was taken over by Weenie, who's an artist that I really like. Yeah. Um, I would think we've heard I've that s- from anybody that's worked yeah, with her in Solberg, yeah. just like Luke, has so much respect for her. Yeah. Do you have Luke on? Is we did, yeah. yeah. I love Luke. We were roommates for a little while. <laughs> oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, that would be fun. It the two fun. of you would be fun the in a house. The thing is, <laughs> yeah. we were also, we were, our third roommate was a, a person named Steph Raposo. And they are like a backspace tech at Buddies. Mm. And the three of us were only ever in the place at the same time once. Because we were all working so much. We were just like constantly missing each other. And Luke had the Raptors game on one day, and all three of us were home, and it was really fun. Yeah. That was the one time in oh. six months we were all together. <laughs> That's so was cool. Luke at the Academy at the same time as you? Or no? Because no. Luke never did the Academy. I don't think he did no, the Academy. Did no, we were roommates in like 2019. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. That's so funny. So funny. So we did his interview. He interviewed with us like mid pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so it was like from his office, which is like a rapper stuff, like <laughs> everywhere. Man loves the Raptors. Yeah, He's yeah. easy to buy a gift for. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like I had one more question, but I forget. Did you want to double check your no. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know oh, like, and actually they had me back. Um so oh, oh. I, I was in their fundraiser, their digital fundraiser. Um, this year, which is the first cool. thing I've done as a Soul Pepper project in a really long time. It was really beautiful and joyful to come back to, to yeah. that with some of the friends and artists who I had been working with before and do our thing. Yeah. So Winnie came in right after that that man had been fired, <laughs> yes. right? Man. Thou shall not be named. Yeah. Um, had been let go, fired? Mm-hmm. I guess I don't know. He Except voluntarily him. resigned, I think, is what happened. Like cop- Isn't that kind of like a cop-out? Sounds like the board really just made him step down, right? Yeah, it was a co- I think, I mean, to the best of my knowledge, it was pretty, it was not unanimous. Like, there was, and I mean, a lot of people who used to support Soul Pepper walked away because he convinced them to. Wow. Yeah. That's m- my knowledge, anyway. I That's, think that is true. I, like, I, I, I'll leaving, say it, so whatever. <laughs> I'm leaving, so I want to see this company, like, burn. And so he took a bunch of people that supported with him? I mean, would I say that at the bar? Maybe. I don't know that that's true. Yes. But does it seem like something he might do? I don't know. I'm going to sip my coffee. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You talked about how you had had that moment before you left. You're like, had thought about when this person was being obviously Mm -hmm. um, inappropriately treated. and you were like, I don't want to be this person in these types of situations anymore. Have you had a chance to kind of be in those situations again and act on them in the way that you wish you had? Thankfully, never as extreme a situation. Yeah. But like, I became a much more courageous person mm. after that experience. And my whole life actually like changed streams a little bit. Like I started to invest a lot more energy in social justice and like kind of like reform and stuff. Like because of that, I now I'm on the Council of Equity, which is like the, the mm-hmm. theater performing, the performing arts union. Yeah. Um, union, in quotes. Mm-hmm. It's not a real union. Um, but so I've been on Equity Council for a number of years. I sit on like disciplinary complaints as part of it, being on Equity Council. And I've wow. like been a part of like 
helping rewrite bylaws and helping do some of that. Um, I was also a union organizer. Actually, when I was working for Fedora, we unionized Fedora. Yeah. So nice. I was like a frontline union organizer in that drive. Wow. Um, and then my like pandemic pivot, it's not a actually pivot because I'm still an actor, but I've been taking like a certificate in conflict management at right. the University of Waterloo. Um, and so like these tools have like super influenced definitely how I am in the room. Like I am a I definitely, I, I think, I like to think, I hope that I have a reputation as being somebody who like will have a tough conversation in the room, mm -hmm. especially in a tough moment. I had to do it actually just the other day in a way, like I was working in a, on a workshop of a play with a really great group of people. And this was, I'm, for all the audio listeners out there, I'm half Chinese. And so this was like a Chinese show. It was like mm -hmm. a group called Silk Bath Collective and we had all Asian artists. We're working at this theater that is a theater that I really like. Um, but they're doing a big renovation right now. So they have like this construction crews around and this construction guy, we were like started our day and we're like all these Asian artists and it's a movement workshop. So we're all like in our sweatpants sitting on the floor talking <laughs> to each other. And uh, this construction dude like kept busting in and walking through our theater, uh, yeah. like kick, like opening the door very loudly, marching through the theater and like taking up a lot of energy and space. Yeah. And like the first time... Um, I don't want to like be overly stereotypical, but we're all like, you know, as of, like eight Chinese people, we were all like, like, oh yeah, okay, we're just gonna let this happen. Like that was definitely kind of like what we all did. <laughs> and then uh, he did it twice. And then the third time he did it in about a 20 minute span, I literally was just like, hey man, I, are you gonna be in and out like all day? You know what I mean? Um, and I clocked, I was like, am I gonna be the guy who like, who, like steps on this guy? And, and then I was like, okay, I'll do it. Fine, I'll do it. Yeah. And so I was just like, hey man, are you gonna be, doing this all day and he like was kind of like oh like he was like stunned yeah. that somebody would say this to him when he'd been like ruining our rehearsal for the last <laughs> no, 20 yeah. minutes construction workers have like the audacity sometimes yeah. like or is it just like unself-awareness well it's he both. apparently he had been like a bit of a dick to people yeah. when we were coming in the building and stuff too but I, then i was then he was kind of like oh yeah sorry it'll just be another 15 minutes and then he never came in again you know what I mean? But I think if I hadn't said that to him, he might have like kept coming in. Like that was the vibe I got. Yeah. yeah. So weird. Was he like doing anything or he was just like walking across the space? <sighs> he was like checking a fire alarm, something. I don't know. Yeah. It was not the only way he could have taken. He was walking through from one door to the theater through up to another place. Yeah. And he could have gone through a door that let him not disturb our rehearsal. Right. He, he could just have gone around repeated, the theater rather than like through the theater. Like not even. He could have gone up the stairs in the lobby and then across the top level and never ever bothered us. But right. he just chose to walk directly through our group of yeah. artists three times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, God, that's so jarring for a, re a rehearsal. It was fucking annoying. Yeah. It <laughs> yeah. was bad. Also, like, I mean, like, you don't want to be like we all are like that like something happens in the room and you're in a rehearsal and you're trying to focus and you're like your brain somewhere else you know mm -hmm. it's like so hard to stay focused on what you're trying to do and there's someone just who's not a part of like the safe space that you've created walking yeah. through yeah yeah another like aspect of my work that has kind of been informed by that is that or not my work it's like uh, my life <laughs> is i've been like uh, i volunteer sometimes for like protests and social justice events as a, like a marshal oh, cool. and so sure. i i do like not crowd control, but like, uh, it, we're, it's usually we're there to either like direct traffic or de-escalate people who are causing problems. So right. I've been doing like de-escalations at protests for like almost two years now. Yeah. Um, and that is like the act of practicing having a tough conversation with somebody in a moment and like intervening. Mm -hmm, right. um, and so like, I Under like pressure. Yeah. And with high emotions probably. Yes. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I really like doing it because it is, uh, not super easy, but I feel like it's something that I am wired a little bit to be uh, com more comfortable with than most folks. And I like, yeah, the act of just keeping that sharp in myself. That's like, mm. no, you should talk to the person now and like be good at having a difficult conversation with mm. somebody in the moment that might be sort of confrontational, but you can't escalate things. You have to de-escalate things. Right. right? right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What an interesting skill to like be able to carry with you through your practice too. Honestly, actors I think are set up to be incredible at de-escalation, um, truly, and like artists. Yeah. Because most of the time people just want to be listened to and you have to kind of like figure out what story they're telling themselves about mm -hmm. what's happening and their role in it and then kind of like poke at it a little bit and, and, 
and erode their own story to the point where the energy is gone mm -hmm. from mm -hmm. what they're getting from the conflict. And then right, they leave. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's if it's like hostile de-escalation. Yeah. Sometimes it's just like unhoused people or folks who are like in crisis a little bit yeah. who, who are like like really energized by the energy of the thing and then you have to engage with them very differently. It's like much yes. more human and much yeah. more empathetic, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. I'm like wondering why do you think actors and artists are better at that? Well, I think actors and artists have like cultivated empathy and like genuine interest in other humans, mm. which is not to say that other people don't. It's just that we are actually like professionals at that. And yeah. so like like actors and artists, there's actually also like a few actors and artists in my conflict management classes mm. and they're usually quite good at it also because it's like very it's it's really changed my attitude about a lot of like politics and internet rage things because like when you start to actually connect with anyone mm -hmm. uh it's really hard to like despise them <laughs> you know yeah, what i mean totally. and it's really hard to get uh to, to, to not see their kind of like full humanity and understand mm. their context. At least that's how I experience it. So I think that actors and artists are good at like seeing what makes somebody like the fullness of somebody's humanity when you're actually engaging with them. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. and, and understanding, I think that like sometimes people yell or say super provocative things because they're like quite afraid or quite insecure mm -hmm. and it becomes like as somebody who's like, what's this Shakespeare character saying? Oh, they're actually afraid. You know what I mean? <laughs> like when it's like some fucking Karen yelling at a Black Lives Matter protest, it's like super easy to be like, oh, you're just really scared right now. Right. It doesn't yeah. mean what you're saying is okay. It doesn't mean I agree with you. But mm -hmm. I actually understand now how to engage with you mm. for what's actually going on with you. Right. right. Yeah. Hmm. So interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I, in my brain, I was like, I wonder if... Artists and actors are good at it because we've just had so much conflict that we've had to de-escalate in our trauma practices and all the maybe. trauma that we've dealt with. Yeah. Yeah, I think maybe. it's like trauma. Yeah. Right? Like how many times have you been yelled at in rehearsal and you just like, it's okay. I'm moving on. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what they say with comedians, right? A lot of comedians learn to be funny because yeah, yeah. they are, are children of trauma. So they've constantly been like, let me dance. <laughs> to like de-escalate fighting. <laughs> Yeah. My experiences hanging out with comedians are always real weird and dark, so that kind of tracks. I know some great comedians, but yeah, it's a weird scene. Yeah. No. Very weird. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Super weird. Those in there. Um, we have to ask you a question. Is being an artist fucking killing you? Like, yeah, I guess. But also, like, so is everything. <laughs> like, everything fun is killing me, so why not throw it on the pile? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I can't really imagine my life without it in a way. It's given me so much. Mm. I'm kind of like, I shudder to think of who I would be if I hadn't discovered the arts and like made them such a big part of my life. They've like balanced me out yeah. a lot compared to like how I could be if I wasn't in the arts, I think. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's like so funny to think about like what you do, like what we do for a living. You're like, I just play. Like I play with my friends all day. That's like what you do, you mm -hmm. know, like as an artist, you just... Mm -hmm get to just like mess around and laugh so much more than like I definitely laugh more at doing this than I would be like in a banking job oh yeah you know oh Ugh. the idea of working like in an office with like lights <laughs> like specifically the lights like the lights in an office just yeah. seem like white punishment. light looks bad on everybody yeah, <laughs> yeah. downward too yeah 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 terrible nothing coming straight at your yeah, face no, to blow right. it up overhead lighting like ugh. shadows yeah, yeah. <laughs> nothing's like colored properly <laughs> um thank you so much for being with us yeah thanks for having That's me amazing. on That's if nice. people are looking to check you out where can they find you you can find me on instagram at ricky slams that's like the best place. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Amazing. Thank you all for listening. If you liked what you heard, if you had any questions, if you had any comments, let us know. Check us out on Instagram, Facebook, anywhere you stock your ex. Go to our Patreon, check us out there. And thank you so much for joining us. Thank you.